Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, February the 21st, 2024. Uh, interesting piece I read recently in Unheard about all of us being prisoners in Plato's cave. The idea that we're looking at shadows and we are still grasping at reality. Of course, in a sense, I guess we're all prisoners still of Plato's Republic, uh, still the most influential book uh, in the Western canon, particularly these days when it comes to democracy and its crises. Uh, Plato wrote it, but it's a book above all about Socrates, the great um, Athenian, 5th century Athenian philosopher, troublemaker, a man eventually put to death. So in a sense, if we're in the shadow, so to speak, of, uh, of the cave, most of all, we remain in the shadow of this man, Socrates. And that is indeed the title of a new book, a very intriguing new book by my guest, uh, Matt Gatton, uh, The Shadows of Socrates, The Heresy, War, and Treachery Behind the Trial of Socrates. Uh, Matt Gatton is um, uh, based in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and his background is as a philosopher and as an aesthetician of light, so it's perhaps not surprising that he's drawn to Socrates and this metaphor of the cave, and he is indeed joining us from Santa Fe. Welcome, Matt. Congratulations on the new book. Um, have I guessed right, or am I wrong? Is your uh, was your initial interest in Socrates and and this idea of being in the shadow is it derived from your interest in light? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, the. Um... I guess my my obsession with ancient Greek um, culture began as a small child. So there was a portrait of a Greek great grandfather who had long since deceased on the wall in one of those oval frames with the convex uh, glass, and I was uh, I would just uh, peer into his eyes, and the the house was stacked floor to ceiling with books and i just became a little ancient greek obsessed child and that um that just continued on in fact in grammar school the teacher asked us um which famous person or living dead would you like to speak with and all the boys in the class chose evil knievel uh, but i chose phidias yeah i'm sure that made you popular with your <laughs> with your with your with your fellow students um coming back to this idea of being prisoners in plato's cave mm -hmm. is this imprisonment is it associated with light is the imprisonment one of darkness uh, in in metaphorical terms is that what you think uh, plato or socrates is trying to teach us in the republic right so the the allegory of the cave has just had huge metaphorical power just down through the centuries because it speaks to the human condition and it speaks to our questions about reality. Um, so um, what I did 
in terms of my specialty is uh, the use of physical light in ritual and uh, aesthetic settings in prehistory and antiquity. So light is my specialty. And the other side of light, of course, is shadow. So um, archaeologists began to ask me questions about various built spaces back through time. And um, I was mainly focused on Paleolithic and Neolithic when a question was presented to me about the mysteries of Eleusis. So the mysteries of Eleusis is this uh, very important religious ritual in uh, ancient Athens. And the question presented to me was for more than 2000 years, how does the goddess Persephone manifest as this apparition of light at the climax of this ritual? So I was strictly focused on how this the goddess was manifested from a from a uh, physics perspective. Like, how would they use the optics to make the goddess appear? So uh, the problem with the mysteries of Lucis is if you ever spoke about the mysteries of Lucis, it was a death penalty. So it's capital capital punishment if you say anything untoward about the mysteries of Eleusis. So what I was able to do was figure out how the priest, the Hierophant, was able to conjure the vision of the goddess through a very simple optical technique. What I did not anticipate was in figuring out that ritual was that it had uncanny resonance to the allegory of the cave, which then makes you read the allegory of the cave very differently. The allegory of the cave goes from being just a profound discussion of the human condition to a blatant act of heresy. Yeah, form so so light in a sense, or discussing light or using light as the metaphor for for existence is a very dangerous thing. And your book, The Shadows of Socrates, focuses on his trial. Of course, as I said, he was put to death. And uh, we've always romanticized the death in civic terms of Socrates. For people watching, here's the great painting of uh, the 18th century French artist David, The Death of Socrates. Um, was Socrates' most dangerous challenge to Athens, um, his use of light, his presentation of light as an essential truth. Exactly. So Socrates uh, is charged with two crimes, impiety and leading the youth astray. So the impiety, impiety means lack of reverence for the gods. So that's a religious crime. So when, when, he repurposes the mysteries of Eleusis. He converts this very hierarchical religious structure and flips it on it on its head. So the light of Persephone is the accepted truth of the religion of the time. And then he makes the image of Persephone into a cast shadow. And then he makes the philosophical truth of light the paramount experience. So he takes the religion 
he consigns it to a shadow and he makes intellectual pursuits the 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 god of the time so that that's just that's going to get you killed like that is just black. you're asking for trouble so yeah. the book is called the shadows of socrates let's take socrates out of the shadows mm -hmm. philosophically or otherwise mm -hmm. Tell us about this man. I mean, he presented himself at least through Plato as a rather ugly fellow, a troublemaker, someone who would sit around and argue with Athenian citizens all day. What's your take on what he was like, Socrates? Was there really somebody called Socrates? Oh, indeed. Absolutely. Because multiple uh, ancient authors describe him and they describe him generally in the, as the same curmudgeon. Um, although his student Plato is... Uh, the source of the bulk of information about Socrates. And can we trust Plato? I'm always, I always wonder about Plato. Right. Well, that's, that's always the question when you're talking about something written more than 2000 years ago. Um, you have to look at the author's filter. Um, but because Xenophon and others described Socrates pretty much in the same way, doing the same things, I, th I think we have a pretty good picture of who Socrates was, except, except that um, I think the way he's taught today is uh, sort of divorcing the ideas from his actual life. Um, he was a war hero, um, an absolute um, defender of Athens. I mean, his ability, I mean, these testimonies about his ability to go without sleep, to go without food, to just be ferocious in war. Like he's a, he's a veteran of three campaigns. Um, he famously, uh, when the um, young aristocrat Alcibiades goes out beyond the lines and is cut down and left for dead, uh, Socrates single-handedly goes out there and, and fights his way out to him, but straddles him and, and fights off the, uh, the uh, opposition until uh, he can lift Alcibiades on his shoulder and carry him back behind Athenian lines. So he's... He's a much he's a much more interesting person than um, is is I think is commonly understood. His um, his love affairs uh, documented in some ways in Plato. Love affairs uh, he was supposed to be married. Love affairs with young men too. But was his greatest love affair with the Athenian Republic? Was that the thing that he loved most of all? And is that why in, in the classic narrative that he was willing to sacrifice his life i i think so i mean I, his greatest love in life was sparring with words about ideas to try to improve the citizenry of athens and you're right the, the romantic entanglements of ancient athenians is just amazing so uh you could just probably put it down that everybody slept with everybody um but you're right his his one great love is distinguishing between the just and the unjust and like the figure in the allegory of the cave is leading people from the darkness from the shadows from the world of illusion to the true light of philosophical attainment izzy stone the great muckraking 20th century uh, progressive journalist wrote the trial of socrates a book which did very well mm -hmm. um what, in your view, were Socrates' politics? For progressives, they've embraced Socrates, like uh, Izzy Stone. Uh, but was he a man that we would 
today associate on the left or was he simply someone who challenged everything and everyone well i i think he he very clearly sees the um flaws of any form of government and uh, rightly points them out i think that he he tries to develop a couple of philosopher kings people who would rule um from reason for the greatest good as opposed to uh, their own lust for power um two of his former students do end up achieving power and they pretty much destroy athens with their um their that's alcibiades and who else critias he's he's the leader of the i mean and, and you obviously know a lot more about this than me you've written a book about it you've spent a lot more time reading and thinking about it mm-hmm. but was he really somebody who was sympathetic to the idea of a philosopher king wasn't from at least socrates wasn't it a warning against philosopher kings plato liked the idea of a philosopher king but the great tension in the republic is between socrates's version of democracy which is rather dirty and plato's which is uh, a, a, a technocracy ruled by philosopher kings or is that wrong no, I don't think that's wrong. I think the 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 issue is that democracy falls twice during the heyday of Socrates, and two of his former students are the cause. So, I mean, he there's this wonderful line in his uh, examination of Alcibiades where he says, you know, um, I fear that the power of the state will be too much for you, and that ends up ends up being true. So. I know there are a lot of people who who will interpret various Socratic things as that he's anti-democracy, but he, he's certainly not pro-oligarchy because the thirty tyrants were going to kill him. You know, had they not been um, deposed themselves in another civil war, um, he was a goner. So, um, I mean, he a lot of what he said about politics, as recorded by Plato, was prophetic. Yeah, and I want to get to, obviously, the the relevance today, because there's a lot of relevance. In Plato's last days of Socrates, Mm -hmm. it it seems, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, that Socrates was given the choice of freedom, but it would mean him having to leave Athens. Is that true? Did he choose death over exile? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But there's more to it than just he was making a principled uh, decision. The reality was they had all they had already hunted down and killed Alcibiades. That it didn't, he knew that no matter where he fled, they were gonna hunt it down, hunt him down and kill him too. And the real risk was that if he didn't take his medicine, uh, drink the hemlock and die, then most of his most of his colleagues were gonna get killed too. So after after Socrates is executed or for suicide, after he drinks the hemlock. His whole cadre of buddies, including Plato, they take off. Like Plato doesn't come back to Athens for 12 years. He doesn't come back until it's safe to come back. He doesn't come back until the religious leader, a man named Callias, who happened to be Alcibiades' half-brother, is no longer in a position to kill all of Socrates' buddies. Matt, what do you think Socrates would have thought of the civic republican idealism of um of Aristotle, of course, who who came after Plato and Socrates. 
No idea. He was dead and gone by then. <laughs> well, you must have. I, I, I mean, that that tradition in in antiquity through mm -hmm. Aristotle has been picked up by a number of contemporary mm -hmm. political philosophers, particularly um, Hannah Arendt. Would would Socrates have been, if he was around today, would he be a a civic republican? I I really couldn't can't even conjure a guess on that. I mean, one of the things is that when when James Madison goes about construct, uh, let me back up. And, and that's a small R. It's not a a big R. I'm not talking about the American. Right, of course, republican of course. Yeah. I mean, we live in we live in America. We live in a republic. I mean, but the, I mean, the reality is after the democracy. The Democratic Republic disappears in antiquity. It doesn't show back up until these United States of America thousands of years later. And the flaws of uh, ancient democracy that that were exploited by Alcibiades and others that Socrates described those those writings were consumed by James Madison, and he tried to construct a system of checks and balances to make sure that. Uh, democracy didn't fall again. Now, I, yeah. It's good stuff, Matt. We're going to take a short break, and then I want to talk about exactly what you just touched on, the idea of warning us about Socrates being, in the shadows of Socrates being, a warning about the current state of America. I want to get back to Alcibiades um, and the militarization of Athenian democracy. But before we do that, I want to take a short pause, remind everyone that this show is brought to us uh, in part by Liberties, a quarterly journal of culture and politics. Lots of great stuff in Liberties. They often have interesting essays on antiquity, certainly on Socrates and on the idea of liberalism. Going to run a short feature on Liberties, and then we'll be back with Matt to talk about the shadows of Socrates in the early 21st century, what Socrates should and shouldn't teach us about the trials and tribulations of American democracy in the 2020s. So don't go away, anyone. Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. Liberties, it's not just a journal of ideas. It's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens. Politics, opinion, substance. Liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought. A quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can subscribe to Liberties at libertiesjournal.com. We're speaking with Matt uh, Gatton, the author of The Shadow of Socrates. Fascinating new book. Um, about the heresy, war, and treachery behind the trial of Socrates. Matt, you had an interesting piece in uh, Crime Reads, the sister publication to Lit Hub, where this show also is distributed, uh, on the bloody rivalry that led to the fall of democracy in Athens, of course, relevant today. Already in the first half of the show, you mentioned a man called Alcibiades several times. Tell us about Alcibiades and how his role is relevant in, in your narrative, the shadows of Socrates. Right. So, you know, again, Socrates is charged with impiety, the religious crime, and leading the youth astray. So it's pretty important you understand who the youth were and how he led them astray. So Alcibiades is one for the ages. He, he um, grows up in the house of the famed uh, Athenian general Pericles. 
uh, with a half brother named Callias. And, um, and Pericles, of course, mm -hmm. is many people consider him the father of uh, Athenian democracy in his famous speech about mm -hmm. uh, defending Athens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's the, the greatest order in the history of the world. I mean, Pericles is, I mean, rightfully the, the Washington of, uh, or the Lincoln of, of, of Athens, Pericles. Oh. Oh yeah, no doubt. He's he's. I mean, the Golden Age of Athens is called the Age of Pericles for a reason. In fact, you mentioned Lincoln. Um, his Pericles' uh, speech uh, for the Athenian War Dead is pretty much the template for Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Like mm. if, you, if you take now, Pericles is three thousand words, and and. Uh, Lincoln's is only like 300 words, but if you just distill the best lines that hold that last, uh, Lincoln's is three paragraphs. So that last paragraph is pure Pericles. That's pure Pericles. Yeah, I mean, Pericles is, I mean, so, I mean, Alcibiades grows up in this aristocratic household in in, in the seat of power. Um, he is uh, the handsomest man in ancient Athens. Um, he's a sex addict. He sleeps with everybody. There's a, a little bit of the JFK about him. Right? Yeah, very much so. Um, he's a, a rich, um, self-aggrandizing bombast of a personality. But very good looking, very charismatic in his own way. Right, and, and probably one of the most persuasive public speakers of all time. Um, and he's, he, he basically teaches his teacher Socrates that, uh, morality cannot be taught because Alcibiades is as amoral as you can imagine. So he, yeah, where to start with that guy? He, no, I don't want to, you know, bring, bring up the T word, but, uh, is there a little bit of Donald Trump? Uh, in Alcibiades as well. Oh, absolutely! It's a personality type. So Alcibiades. Um, well, see if this sounds familiar. So he's this wealthy uh, um, braggart who tells an outrageous lie that causes Athens to take down its democracy, um, which triggers a civil war. Um, he's a sexual predator. He profits from his office, and then after he gets impeached, he leaves with the state secrets. Um, now, the next thing that Alcibiades does is he turns traitor to Sparta. Now, he and his Let's remind everyone, uh, Matt, what Sparta was and why it's in such vivid contrast to Athens. Yeah, so Athens and thank you. Athens and Sparta are sort of locked in this competition for control of all of Greece. So these are two city states in Greece that are um, vying for control over the whole shooting match, and they are constantly at war with each other. But Sparta, of course, offers a very different model than Athens, whereas Athens was the the, the, the laboratory of democracy, Sparta was the laboratory of a, of a strict military dictatorship. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, And, and what was Al, Alcibiades? Was he attracted to the, the Spartan model or did he not care as long as he came out of it looking good? He was a chameleon. So his half-brother, Callias, the priest of Eleusis, uh, sentences him, sentence him, sentence him to death 
for um, uh, profaning the mysteries of Eleusis. So Alcibiades, instead of uh, coming to court, he flees and then he turns traitor to Sparta. He moves to Sparta, uh, adopts Spartan ways, and because he knows everything about Athens as a former Athenian general, he basically coaches the Spartans on how to destroy Athens. And the first step he makes is he 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 teaches the Spartans strategically, he's a strategic genius, how to take the silver mines, which is the source of Athens' wealth. Now, the person who owns the silver mine concession is his half-brother, Callias, who had just sentenced him to death. So he's getting back at Callias. By, he's using the Spartans to get back at Callias. But Athens ends up under siege and on the cusp of collapse uh, with, with Alcibiades teaching this, or uh, directing the Spartans on how to take down Athens. And Ath Athens is about to fall when the Spartan king finds out that his wife, Queen Timaea, is pregnant with Alcibiades' kid. There's a bit of a soap opera about this one. Again, it reminds us perhaps of what's happening in America. What? So how does this tie back in with uh, the trial of Socrates? The, the, the subtitle of the book is The Heresy, War, and Treachery Behind the Trial of Socrates. Was all this happening simultaneously with the trial? How was it connected? And how was Alcibiades' behavior, his, um, his betrayal, bound up with the trial? Right. That, that's a very good point. So... Now, Alcibiades is going to do a lot worse stuff than he's already causing Athens uh, to be without food. There's starvation disease. Like he's destroying Athens because he's bitter at his brother, Callias. Now, eventually, Athens is going to have strong feelings about Alcibiades. And they're going to look to blame somebody for all the damage that Alcibiades caused. And... His teacher Socrates is going to be a convenient target. Okay, so so for you in in your argument, mm -hmm. Socrates was the revenge of the state for the behavior of Alcibiades was the 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 death of Socrates. Well, that's the second part of the charge: the corrupting the youth. Like you have to know which youth got corrupted, and the the big two are Alcibiades and. Uh, so, so in a sense, and I, I, I'm not justifying the trial or certainly the execution of Socrates, mm -hmm. but in a sense, w w w was the accusation of the state right? Did Socrates corrupt Alcibiades, this brilliant young aristocrat for whom power went to his head? He might have been better off staying in his military academy and not being corrupted by uh, 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 Socrates. Um. I think Alcibiades was born corrupt and, and Socrates did the best he could with him. Uh, teachers across time, even today, get uh, significant credit for their high-performing students. And for Socrates, that's Plato. And teachers get blamed for their low performers. And for Socrates, that's Alcibiades. So the trigger the trigger for the charges against socrates is the allegory of the cave the heresy although plato himself doesn't come out smelling completely of roses i mean he spent as you say a life in exile trying to establish military 
sort of technocratic military dictatorships around the Med the Eastern Mediterranean. So he he's mm. he's not Socrates either. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, if you if you lived in ancient Athens where people are just being hauled in, I mean, all sorts of petty grievances get uh, turn into charges, and, and people get uh, convicted for just nonsensical reasons. So, um, uh, they, I mean, they had they had real real reason to want to put some uh, some guardrails on. Uh, so, so let's uh, finally, uh, Matt. Let's fast forward. Um, as I said, you had a, a piece in uh, in Crime Reads, the bloody rivalry that led to the fall of democracy in Athens, the clash of two Athenian leaders with ties to Socrates. Obviously, the allusions to our current crisis of American democracy are uh, not hidden. Um, what is all this? What's the relevance of, of this, of your book and of these ideas to the current state of American democracy? Right. Well, we are uh, living in... in the same moment. Now that was a different time, time different technology, but so Alcibiades in, in exile, he makes a move to return to power and he takes advantage of the civil war he caused. And several years later, when the desperate Athenian assembly votes him in as autocrat, Athens goose is, is, is cooked. Like Athens goes from being the crown jewel of the ancient world, from being the height of art, architecture, uh, science, economy, medicine, to being crushed by Sparta because of Alcibiades. So the moment we're living in now, where a an individual who has certain character traits like Alcibiades is been put out of power is trying to return to power. Um, it has happened before and it did not end well. And it's funny uh, talking to you. I, I, I try not to think about narratives with Trump because that everyone's already thought of them. But I wonder one potential narrative is he loses the next election, argues about it and goes into exile in Russia, which might really reflect, uh, history repeating itself in terms of Alcibiades and, and, and Athens, given yeah, that but Russia is Russia is not Sparta, but it's certainly the Sparta to uh, American democracy. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So so there's a bunch of stuff that it's already happened that is alike, similar to what happened in ancient Athens. And if it if past his prologue, there's a there could be a second chapter, which is a gruesome chapter where almost everybody dies. And the state dies, and then uh, Alcibiades dies too. Like everybody dies, so it's uh, it is it is not a good scenario. Uh, but yeah, you could absolutely see see um, yeah fleeing somewhere else to avoid uh, trial and, and taking state secrets. There's there are just some uncanny similarities there for sure. Also to uh, Zaphod Beeblebrox, so from. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So there are references. Um, 